Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from the morning sessions of our Reach Conference 2021 in a panel with our Reach Network pastors. It's a talk about leadership, discipleship, and ultimately just life as pastors. Enjoy this message. Amen and amen. If you would, just, you're welcome to find your seat. Uh, we're going to continue this morning, and I'm so privileged and honored uh, to, to be able to be up here with, uh, with, with some of our leaders. Uh, we're we're going to be, thank you, sir. We're going to be leading uh, this morning in a leadership panel, and you're uh, a very unique opportunity. Uh, we'll be able to hear from various leaders within our network, uh, our churches, and uh, it, it's going to be a great time this morning. So really, I just want you, if you would, just kind of posture your heart, uh, open up your ears, uh, open up your heart to really hear uh, what these leaders have to say this morning. I'm going to ask if, if, if you would, if I could get everyone to stand in honor of our senior leaders. And those that are participating in the panel, first, uh, I'm going to I'm going to uh, introduce uh, Pastor Omar Lopez, and uh, Pastor Omar, as you know, is a pioneer pastor, a church planter, and is our senior leader of the Reach Network. Next, I'm going to ask Pastor Eddie Vargas, uh, pastor of Restoration Life Church. And as you know, Pastor Eddie also is a pioneer pastor, church planter, uh, and, and uh, just has a thriving ministry there at Restoration Life Church. Next is Pastor Mike Perez from Bell, the Bell Gardens Church. And again, Pastor Mike Perez, pioneer pastor, church planter, uh, and, and, and is running just a phenomenal ministry there in the city of Bell Gardens. Uh, pastor Mondo Luna, Resonate Church. Pioneer pastor, uh, powerful leader, dynamic leader. Uh, next we have uh, Pastor Angel Flores. Pastor Angel Flores, pioneer pastor multiple times. Multiple times, pioneer pastor. And uh, uh, you guys are in for a treat. And uh, last but not least, we have Pastor Mike Hernandez. Pioneer pastor, leader. And so why don't we just one more time, let, let, let these pastors, let them know how much you love them and appreciate Come on. You guys are welcome to be seated. And so this morning, what our intention is, and uh, we're going to hear a lot from our, uh, from our pastors and our leadership panel. There's going to be an opportunity as well for you to ask questions. Uh, but we're going to start a dialogue, and my intention this morning is to extract the wealth of wisdom that these men have. What's unique about these men is that they've held positions in every part of the local church. They were saved in the local church. They were raised and responded to the call in the local church uh, and, and uh, flourished and developed their leadership to the level in which their expression is, is today. And so uh, often what we say is that we, uh, we impress with our strengths, but we connect in our weaknesses. And so this morning, I want you to understand as you're looking at these pioneer pastors, church planters, those that are functioning and very, very highly developed leadership functions, they've walked through exactly what you're walking through today at any level. And so we want to extract from them some wisdom and maybe some direction this morning uh, for us to continue to develop and flourish in our own context within the local church. You guys with me? All right. So uh, we're, we're going to start. And, uh, and, and again, I would ask you, listen, if you're out there and you don't have a pen and paper, do that right now or pull out your phone, wh whatever you do. But uh, what do they say? They say, uh, uh, no takers are history makers. All right, so uh, if, you're not, if you're not taking notes of your pastor's sermons on Sundays, how dare you uh, start that practice, you know, this Sunday. Uh, but uh, let's, let's get our notebook out and let's get ready to, to learn something this morning. So 
I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to start here and uh, maybe, maybe Pastor Mondo, if you would answer this question for us, uh, why do you do what you do? Um, I love God. I mean, it's just, uh, make it simple, right? No, I, I think the, uh, I mean, that's a big question. I mean, we, we, can, uh, we can look at so many things in regards to that question, but I, I really do believe that we do what we do because there's a call on our life. Um, and one of the ways that you know there's a call on your life, and I think uh, Pastor Kelly touched on that last night, uh, you can go through some of the most difficult seasons of your life, some of the most difficult challenges, and you still feel called to what God has called you to do. And in my life, some of the things I've encountered, one of the things that has really pulled me forward is my call, the, the, the call on my life. That's why I do what I do. That's good. That's good. Pastor Eddie, why do you do what you do? <laughs> um, I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, and one of the, one of the key scriptures that stood out to me um, was to him whom much is forgiven, much is required of thee. And that word that was given to me earlier on in my young adult age, I was probably, I was 19 when I got saved. I probably heard that like within the six months that I got saved. And um, I understood that my life was no longer my own, that it was going to be surrendered and fully submitted to the purpose of God, not my purpose, his purpose. Because so much, so many times we make our lives about our purpose. And I recognized back then that my life was to serve his purpose and that I would be a slave to that for the rest of my life. And so in honor of his sacrifice and love for me, I picked up my cross, died to myself and served out his purpose wherever he called me, whether it be to clean the bathrooms as a young disciple, whether it be to set up the stage, paint the church, go on outreach, um, love on people that um, I had no relationship with them. I just wanted to serve Jesus. I was so happy to be saved and set free that I couldn't help but to give my life in return. So that's why I do what I do. That's good. That's good. Um, so Pastor Omar and I, we talk about this often. And uh, again, we look at these men and uh, they're worthy of honor. And uh, we celebrate what God is doing in your own lives, in your families, in your ministries, in your churches and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but as we're sitting out there and I, I, I'm, you know, just like just like many of you, as as we're sitting out there and watching you guys do what you do uh, for for Pastor Andrew, I want to ask you this. Uh, so so me and Pastor Omar talk about um, that many want to do what you do. And for you, you've uh, you've pioneered two churches, one in San Pedro, uh, like we heard about uh, last night, and then uh, and then in Texas. So a lot of people want to do what you do, but aren't necessarily uh, aren't necessarily wanting to do what you did, right? And so, if you would kind of talk to us about what was that progress in ministry? Yeah, I, I think it's so common. Uh, people love to judge your harvest, but never know the size of the seed that it took that you sacrificed. Come on, come on. Um, and so for, from our family, and I, I think back of my, about our, my wife and I, um, we, when we got, we got married at 18, went straight full blown into ministry and that became our life. It was, it was God, his purpose, his calling and everything else after that. Um, and because of that, there was a lot of things that, that we gave up. We, we, we didn't pursue, um, you know, we gave up on careers and just um, found opportunities that sustained us. Um, there were a lot of other things, you know, a lot of our time uh, and energy was really just invested into people. And, and because of that, you know, you know, God, as God called us, there were things that we had to sacrifice. When God called us to San Pedro, we had to leave a thriving youth ministry. We had to leave a thriving church at that time. It was like, it was like being on the Lakers and getting, you know, uh, traded to the Clippers. Come on. Right? But we, I, <laughs> but we understood that, listen, there are souls in a city 
that needs someone to pay the price. And then even when we were, when God was calling us to Texas, I mean, with conversations with Pastor Omar, that was a very, very difficult decision um, to leave a church that we had just poured our heart into. Um, but we always understood that this is God's church, not our church. Um, and, and so even with that, it was, we've got to tell our team here in San Pedro that God's calling us to turn this church over and to go into another state. And that within itself was a, a major sacrifice. Um, and then all that with moving away from family, not being around them, um, you know, you just, you pay the price, but at the end of the day, you, you have your eye on the prize and you have your eye on, on the fruit that comes from those seeds that got to die and go into the ground and sacrifice. Um, and there's no regret when you begin to see the fruit of all that God can do when you live a life of just continual sacrifice. That's powerful. Um, so for Pastor Mike, uh, so so church planter, pioneer pastor, uh, leader, you also work a full-time job. Um, and uh, for, for those of you that know, Pastor Mike also uh, just completed schooling uh, that he's been pursuing. And, and so, you know, one of the things that I want to make sure that we, are, we have clarity is that uh, there's, there's a very small percentage of, we'll call it clergy, um, but pastors that are in full-time ministry, most pastors are bivocational where they're working and, 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 and doing, um, doing other things to, you know, to, to help sustain uh, their lives. In all of that, how do you spend your time, your, your downtime? How do you spend time? How do you balance, you know, uh, we always talk about family and, and work-life balance and ministry and all that kind of stuff. Um, but where do you find time also to develop your leadership uh, and, and, uh, and, and make all those things work? You know, it's, that's a, that's a loaded question, <laughs> but, uh, I realized that, that when you have a passion for something, when your heart's in it, you'll make time. So if your heart is with your family, you're going to make time. If your if your heart is in what God is doing at your local church, wherever you're involved in, you're going to make time. If, if you have a passion or a desire to, to learn golf, you're going to learn golf. If you want to learn how to play baseball and hit a baseball, you know, learn how to swing the bat, you're going to learn how to do that. You're going to make the time. Whatever you have a passion for, you're going to make time for it. So there, there, you know, nobody here has more than 24 hours in a day. So, so if you're a, a, if you're a bivocational pastor, Listen, listen, we got the same amount of time and, and there's time out there to, you, you, it just has to be a priority and your heart has to be in it. So if obviously I want to spend time with my kids, I think the only regret that I have from the past is not how involved I was in church when I was in Paramount. The only regret that I have was that I didn't spend enough time with, with my kids and so now what I'm doing is like, you know, I got to spend more time with my family. I want to spend time with my grandkids. So there's time out there and you can spend time with your family. You can spend time with your wife. You can go on vacation. You can do all these different things that, that the, God doesn't prohibit you from doing. And you can still give God 100%. Yeah, that's, that's very well balanced. That's very, very healthy. I appreciate that. For Pastor Mike, um, same, same question, but I'll just give a little bit of context here. Again, pioneer pastor, young family, moved to a new state. You also do a lot. You, you produce a lot of content as well. How many of you guys follow Pastor Mike and his content that he puts out? It's powerful. So it's talk subscribe. to us. How do, you spend, how do you spend your time? Oh, man. I think that for me, for, I, I don't want, want to move too far ahead, but I think that is a, um, that's something that I'm still learning to, to do. Um, because back when we were in ministry at Paramount, it was almost like my schedule was laid out before me, right? These are all the things that need to get done in the church, with the ministry and all that. And I've been, I've been really blessed with an opportunity to do full-time content and basically put a lot of time into my church. And, and so I'm still learning how to balance all that. But I think for me, what's most important is, is not necessarily 
time, I guess, but what I'm doing in my day. Um, so there's, there's specific things that I have on a list every day that I have to do. And to me, the most important is my prayer time and devotion, because if I'm not spending time with the Lord, then anywhere else I'm spending my time is a waste. And so for me, the, my, the most important thing that I need to do is first and foremost, I want to talk to Jesus in the morning. I want to spend time in the word. I want to, when I'm presenting anything to my church, I don't want it to be something that's based out of uh, wasted time. I want it to be, be founded in my time of intimacy with the Lord. And so I'm still working on balancing. I'm, I, we just had a fourth kid. And I mean, um, no, no more. Yeah, this guy convinced me and he won't even babysit. So uh, um, <laughs> he said I had to have another kid and, and he convinced me. Um, but anyway, I'm so, so <laughs> you see how much influence he has in my life. Anyway, um, so we're still, we're still learning how to do that. <laughs> Your kids won't even babysit, man. What's that? <laughs> I, I'm going to try to angels blushing. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, I'm honestly, I'm still learning how to do that. But I think as I'm learning, I'm learning that not necessarily how much time to place in specific areas, but what's most important. And the most important thing to me is spending time with the Lord. Pastor Omar, I, I'd ask you the same question. Where, where do you, and, and again, so for, for you, um, pastoring a local church, um, leading the network, pastoring pastors, uh, you know, uh, your family, wife, all, all of, all of those things that, that all of that demand that's on your time. Um, where do you find yourself spending the most effective time or how do you balance all of those things and prioritize those things? Well, first of all, um, I feel like I'm at a press conference here and we're, we're getting ready for a boxing match or something here, but, uh, we're fighting the devil. That's good. But again, I think um, when, we, when we think about the balance of time and the call of God, I'm driven by the call of God, and I'm driven by what, what the Lord has laid out and the vision that he's placed in my life. And um, I think it's when you think I'm grateful, number one, that God saved me. I'm grateful for the call, and I wake up every morning, I'm grateful. And that's what motivates me. I think what most pastors get burned out is they forgot why they're doing what they're doing. And I remember Jesus saved me and I was a sinner. I was lost and I owe him my life. I've told my church several times, every time I walk into the building, I said, man, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm preaching. I can't believe I get to do what I'm doing. And so, um, definitely spending time with God, spending time in the word of God, with the family. Uh, but the responsibility, people always say, um, you know, when you think about your life, I think about the responsibility that God's given me. And I will say to those in the congregation, um, many times will say, well, my pastor's not above me. Well, your pastor's above you in responsibility and the call of God that's on his life. And so there's so much that's on him that uh, many times we don't even realize the responsibility that a pastor carries. And then those that are pastoring pastors, uh, there's so many things. And, I, you know, I, I think about the churches. I think about the men and women of God that are out there pastoring. I often think about them and pray for them. And um, the responsibility that we have to, uh, you know, encourage them and keep them motivated. That's why we do these conferences. Uh, these conferences are not only to stir uh, the gifting in the people of God, but to encourage our pastors to keep the vision, to keep reaching, right, restoring Right and releasing. So I don't want to start preaching, That's but good. anyway, there you go. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, Pastor Eddie, so you've, uh, in, in your ministry, and there's been a lot of transition in your ministry all the way, starting from Hawthorne to Paramount and the different ministries that, uh, that, that you went through. What is the one thing, and maybe guys, I'd ask you to, to, to think about this as well. What is the one thing that you wish you knew earlier or that you wish you would have asked earlier? So now you're on the other side of this and you're looking back at, at just the life that you and Roxanne walked through. 
Is there anything that you feel like you should have asked earlier or uh, that you would have known uh, that maybe would have helped you out or <laughs> moved, you, moved you forward? I, I wish I would have been told the truth about <laughs> ministry. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> None of us can. None of us can. You know, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I love, love God and I love, love people. And um, one of the things that I've, I've come to to recognize that there is a dark side of ministry that we were never really told about, ever. And, uh, right? There's just this dark side of ministry where... If we would have told you, you wouldn't have went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You learn along the way. Yeah. I, was, I guess I'm still learning along the way. I, I think... I think um, Gosh, that's a, such a loaded question. I, I think every experience that I've ever had, I had to have in order to be who I am today. And so recognizing who I am, I'm a lot like Peter's that I got a mouth on me. I'm aggressive. Like I still carry a knife on me everywhere I go, you know, and it's just. It's, the ushers you know, didn't take that from you on your way in, huh? They, yeah, no, they didn't because they, they would have that. got cut. That's okay. why. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think um, everything that I've ever learned, I had to learn the way that I learned it in order for me to be who I am today. And so in all honesty, there are a lot of things that I wish I wouldn't have gone through, but I had to go through them in order to fully understand um, other people's plight. Because I love... I. Matthew Laura said something so special this morning, and I don't know if everybody caught it, but it really jacked me up internally because I've, I've had a, a rough childhood. I've had a rough relationship with um, a biological father that, um, you know, all my devotion and um, was transitioned into my spiritual father and, you know, the spiritual father that God gave us. And I think that one of the biggest things that I had a difficult time processing in ministry was empathy. And he talked about how empathy, um, we have to learn to see things from other people's perspectives in order to help them navigate through the scripture so that they can be fully restored. And one of the things that, that, that really stood out to me in this morning's session because I've always had a really difficult time empathizing with people that have always had it better than I ever did. And I was always the kind of person, and, it, and I've even been this way with my children to a fault. Like, you've got it so good. Suck it up, you know? And I'm like, man, you've, you've had a father and a mother and a family that have loved you, prayed for you, honored you, supported you, been there for you. And I feel that, that same way over a lot of people in the church. Like, you didn't have to navigate pioneering with us. You walked into revival. Shut up already. Suck it up and serve Jesus. And, and, and honestly, that's been my mistake because I've, I've failed to empathize with people's plight walking into a revival and going, man, if you only knew what I grew up in, you would celebrate what you're in right now. And that has been a mistake of mine that I haven't recognized that. And I'm still learning how to process that and navigate through that even being where I'm at today. And so I, I, I love, love that Reach Conference um, had Vanessa and, and Matt minister the way that they did because it, it has helped me grow. It has helped me grow as a leader. And so if I could say that's my one mistake is that that's something that I'm still learning how to navigate through. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, I'll, I'll ask... Uh, Where'd it go? I'm sorry. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Pastor Mondo, 
in your own words, if you would, uh, we want to talk about leadership. And, and listen, if you're out there, if you don't have the title of leadership, that does not mean that you're not a leader. If you don't, if you're out there and you don't have the title of leadership, that doesn't mean that you're not a leader. So father, you're leading your children. Husband, you're leading your wife. We're going to get into this. <laughs> Pastor Mondo, in your own words, what is leadership? Influence. Mm. I think it's influence. I think, I think a lot of times we, we lean more on the positional type leadership where, well, I've, I'm in this position, so you have to respect me. You have to listen to me. You have to do what I say. And I think the greatest form of leadership is influence. I think yeah. it's, it's better uh, when we do and we lead out in front and through our influence, uh, let people follow. Yeah. And, and I've seen that even, even during this pandemic. Now, you know, many of you know, I, I, because I had a kidney transplant back in 2008, you know, I'm immune compromised. And so when the pandemic hit, um, you know, there are a lot of questions of whether or not we're going to stay open, how, we, you know, of course, we all went online and we learned all of the dynamics of that. Um, but there was something in me, and again, I wrestled with this because I don't want to die from COVID, you know, and I know there's a lot of the things that the media was putting out there in regards to how we have to deal with it. And so, um, but as I spent time with the Lord, and this is something that I really believe that, that as leaders, you have to have time with God. You, you have to spend time with God. You cannot lead or influence on past experiences. You got to be a now leader, right? And so I remember going through this, the whole pandemic and, and there was that, that voice in my head saying, you know, just stay home, you know, uh, you don't want to catch this virus and die from it and, and, and just, you know, stay online and, and, you know, try not to be around anybody. But there was this other side that, that came out of me that said, no, it's, it's time more than ever to stand out and lead, to be courageous, right? To stand out in faith. And, um, and we did, we never stopped having church. I mean, we, we went online of course, but we still connected with people. We, to one point where even, you know, the facility that we're releasing said, Hey, listen, you can't be indoors. You're too many people. So we went outdoors, but we kept having church. And I felt that the church was going to, um, somewhat thrive off my courage to keep moving forward. Even though there was something on the inside that was still dealing with fear with this thing. And so I think just the greatest form of leadership, and there's so many different elements to that, is your influence. And uh, I, I believe God gives people influence, but also influence is attained through, you know, keeping your word, being a person of integrity. Um, you know, if you say it, follow through with it, keeping your promises. I mean, there's so many, too many different levels of creating that influence, but in my response, I think the greatest form of leadership is influence. Yeah, that's powerful. Same question. I'd love to hear from Pastor Mike Perez on, on leadership. What is leadership in your own words? Obviously, influence. Do you have another uh, kind of another side to that? It's, I believe it's influence, but here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing about influence is that we all have it. We all have influence. So it's like uh, everyone here is a leader, but we're all leading somebody to whatever it is that is our priority. So yeah, everyone, I, yeah, has I think influence. you need to say that again. <laughs> we're all leading. We're all leading somebody to something. Whatever is our priority. So right now, if your priority uh, video games, that's where you're leading. You're you're leading in video games. If it's if it's social media, you're leading somebody in social media. If it's drugs, that's where you're at. I've I've to a certain degree, I've always been a leader, but I was leading somebody and teaching them how to steal a car. I was teaching them how to get high. I was teaching them how to do X, Y, and Z. So what is it that you're leading people to? Because we all have the influence. My goodness. Pastor Mike Hernandez, uh, leadership in your, in your own words. Exactly what he said. <laughs> I feel like that is. Um, but as I was thinking about the question, I, I was actually, what was, was running through my mind is that, you can't lead somebody to where you've never been. And I think in the church today, I think what, what we focus more on is delegation 
instead of doing the work. And for, for me growing, working with Pastor Omar, and um, I remember when I was, I think I was like 16 years old, I went up to Pastor Omar and I said, hey, whatever, you know, you're my pastor. And if you need anything from me, I didn't have a position in the church. I wasn't leading any ministry, but I went to him and I said, hey, anything you need from me, I want you to know that you can ask me. I won't be offended. I won't be bothered. My priority is to support your vision and what you're doing. And I probably didn't say it that well. I was 16. You know what I mean? So, um, but, but he knew my heart behind it. We'll ask Pastor Omar how he said it. Just give me grace, Pastor Omar, please. But, but in my head, when I was leading without a title, my mindset was, if I don't do it, who will? And so I, I would do things. And as I would do things, people would come and learn from that. And it naturally became this process of leading. But I had to lead them to a place that I've already been. And I think spiritually, when we're talking spiritual leadership, which I think is, you know, we, we've gone so much to practical leadership, which is very important. But when we're talking about church leadership, spiritual leadership, it, it trumps practical leadership. It has to. And so when, when you're talking about spiritual leadership, we want people to experience the Lord. We want people to walk with Jesus in full obedience to him, not us and what we want, but what he wants for their lives. And we can't lead them to that if we're not living in that. And so I think as a leader, no matter where you're at within your church, you can get frustrated as much as you want. But how are you being the solution to the problem? Are you leading or are you just complaining? Are you leading or are you delegating? And so that's, that's kind of where I would put it. You can't lead where you've never been. That's good. Before I move on from that, anybody else have anything to add to leadership? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I would say leadership is discipleship. And if you're a leader, you're imparting something into somebody else. Uh, Paul the Apostle says, you know, teach faithful men that they can teach others. So we're discipling, uh, especially if, if you're in a position of leadership, per se. Uh, again, we talk about everybody's in leadership, whether they're Sunday school teacher, usher, whatever. You're imparting into somebody else. Leaders reproduce leaders. So if you're a leader, you should be reproducing leaders. If, if you're walking and nobody's following, you're just taking a walk, right? Nobody's, you're not a leader. And so you need to be reproducing who you are into somebody else. And, and the more you reproduce, the more leaders you reproduce, the more leaders get risen up for the kingdom of God. So that's true discipleship. Yeah, one, one thing, um, Pastor Max and I, how many of you guys appreciate Pastor Max? Pa- Pastor Max and I were going through these questions, and uh, I, I want to say this because I, I thought it was pretty powerful. Uh, obviously, leadership is not a title, but leadership is not you doing everything. Leadership is reproducing yourself to the third degree. What do I mean by that? Is that you're discipling one person and this person is now discipling the next. And then it perpetuates. It just continues to go on and on and on that way. And so uh, for those of, the, those of you that are leading out there, uh, that's, the, that's the aspiration that we should all have is that we are duplicating or multiplying ourselves to the third degree um, and, and seeing other people rise with us. I think that leadership is something that we get under others and lift them up right? Uh, instead of being self-promoting or, you know, all of that stuff. The, ne- the next question is this, and I, I want to kind of dig a little bit, in, a little bit into our culture. Um, and so uh, what's, what's very unique about this, if you haven't uh, already identified this, is that uh, every single person on the stage uh, came up through the Paramount Church. And uh, so, so there's a culture in us that's ingrained. We wake up. This is what we talked about with Reach Conference and the Reach Network. And, uh, and the name is that this is who we are. We wake up in the morning. You don't think about these things, discipleship. You don't think about leadership. You don't think about all these. It's just who we are. So there's some vocabulary or language that we use that is sometimes uh, hard to really wrap our, our arms around. For instance, we say often... More is caught than taught. And so, uh, so people, I think, understand those words, but can't understand that within the context of the local church, can't understand that fully grasp that within the context of leadership and relationship and things like that. We see other things like, well, our, dis- our discipleship or our relationships are kind of organic 
or or we 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 disciple in the going. So all of these all of these different we want to call them buzzwords or or you know phrases. Can you guys help us bring language to that? So when I say when we say well more is caught than taught, what what does that mean to you? And what do you wish that someone understood when you said something like that? Well, the the way I understand it is obviously we're always teaching and we're preaching the word of God. But sometimes people catch it, and when they mean, when we say they catch it, they begin to do it. They begin to activate what we're saying. Um, it's very easy to preach and teach, and lots of people are listening, uh, but, but they're not, I should say they're hearing, but they're not listening. And you're giving them instruction, but they're not putting it into action. So when they catch it, you actually begin to see them activating what you've been teaching. They're actually now... But, uh, discipling other people, that disciples caught it. Yeah, uh, he's he's available, right? We always say the greatest ability is availability, and so lots of a lot a lot of leaders or disciples say, "What do I need to do? Be available, uh, be in church on be on church, be at church early. If you're at church on time, you're late. You get there early. You've caught it. When you're there, when the pastor gets there, you've caught it." When you're, when you're, when you're, uh, leaving when he leaves, you've caught it. When you're worshiping God, you've caught it. You know, all of these things, that disciple has caught it. So it's not a matter that we're not teaching. A lot of people say, well, we're, we, we kind of just say, you got to catch it. No, we're teaching the word of God. We're, we're imparting into you. But when you begin to put it into action, you've caught it. Yeah, that's good. So it, it it's incredible to, to be here with um, all these men because you've seen them um, catch it. And now, um, you know, it takes, one, it takes one to know one as when it goes to leaders. But when we think about the practicality of, of what Pastor Omar's taught us, um, we say it this way in, in the way that we disciple people at our church. We say, you know, I'm going to do it, right? You're going to watch me. And I'm going to do it. That's the first step. The second step is that now that you've watched me, you're going to do it with me. That's the second step. The third step is now you're going to do it and I'm going to help you. And the fourth step is you're just going to do it and I'm going to celebrate you. And so that's the process of discipleship. Now, if you go from you're going to watch me and then you're just going to do it, well, you've skipped two other steps that's going to keep that's, you're not fully equipped to do what God's called you to do. And so you've not just caught it, but now you're, t- now, now you're teaching it. And so if you navigate those four steps of discipleship, I think you'll always release a fully equipped disciple to do what they've been called to do. Yeah, that, that, that's powerful. Anybody else, any other thoughts on, on, on this? Sure. For me, more, more is caught than taught. I never... Recall Pastor Omar calling me into an office and say, look, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to disciple you. He never did that for me. But uh, he always, or we are, I already knew Pastor Omar. He really didn't make plans for after service. I don't know if he does now or doesn't. But I knew that if I wanted to hang out with him, I just had to stay there to the end. Pastor Mike, I, I, I got to say this. So, so my pastor, my pastor's are the last people to leave the building. Every time we leave the building, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty are the last ones to leave the building. And uh, Pastor Omar said it, availability is your greatest ability. If you're, you know, if you're running off to go get a cheeseburger, you know, uh, two-minute two minute countdown, uh, you're going to miss it. Pastor Mike, please go, go ahead. Yeah, if, that's the way. So we just stuck around. And he would walk out, and we'd look at him. He'd look at us. What are you guys? What are you guys doing? And it's like, you know, we threw our bait out there, and it was caught. Carols. <laughs> yeah, carols. Carols. So, I recall uh, volunteering, just wanting to be around him, and it wasn't because I felt like I was being discipled. I just enjoyed the relationship. I remember uh, him at, one time I went to your house and I think I painted it, 
One time I put, uh, what is it called? Uh, not stucco, but uh, texture on, inside the house. I never did it to make a buck. He would give me something, but I never did it for that. I just wanted to be around him. And every time I was around him, more is caught than taught. I was there at his house plenty of times when he got home from work. And I viewed the way he treated Sister Letty when he got home. And it convicted the hell out of me. I noticed that when he got home, his kids didn't run away from him. They ran to him. More is caught than taught. I would look at him at the restaurant, the way he responded to the waitress. I, I, I was around him enough to see how he acted and reacted in real life situations. I've seen my pastor upset. More is caught than taught. There's too many of us complaining. Well, he's not discipling me. Like Pastor Isaac said, just stick around. Be the last one. And more will be caught than taught. I, I, I want to hear from I want to hear from the rest of you guys. But one thing I want to I want to make sure that we that, that I highlight because Pastor Omar said this, and I want to make sure that we highlight this. Uh, we hear often uh, those that come into you know come into our churches they they're looking for a deeper teaching on this or uh, or a, a specific niche ministry on 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 that. And um, Pastor Omar said this, and and I want you to catch this is. In the sermon series that we're putting together, in the messages that are being preached, there's practicality. It's not this, it's not this obscure thing that we're talking about. We're talking about how to build character, how to, right. how life skills, all these different things that are deeply spiritual. Let's say that again. These things are deeply spiritual in your character and who, and who God is trying to form you to be. But we're looking for, we're looking to be impressed. We're looking to be, uh, we, we want to be moved in this big, in this big way where we often chase after all of these big ministries and, and, and feel like our pastors. And I, there's so many local pastors and pioneer pastors that are pouring their heart out, pouring out their experiences, pouring out their life lessons. And we're impressed by, by, by the mega pastors. Pastor Mike, you have something to say? Yeah, I just want to throw something with this. When we talk about investment and discipleship, um, I think that as, as leaders, we look at people to invest in that will also invest into others. And I think sometimes you may feel like, man, I'm not getting attention, right? Pastor, Pastor Omar or Pastor you know, Angel is not giving me the attention that I need. The question would, would be, if he gave you all the time, what would you do with it, right? And so I think there's a lot of disciples that complain so much about the time with their pastors. But I, something I'm teaching our leadership at our church is... I'm going to invest in you, but you need to invest in people. And if you're not going to invest in other people, then I'm going to take my time and I'm going to invest in it to somebody else. Because uh, in, in, and honestly, I, I don't, you know, we're still learning a whole lot, but I think as leaders, if we try to give our time to every single person, we stunt our growth and we, we, that's where we become burned out. I've, I've learned in the last season, I'm going to invest into people that I know that it's good soil. And everybody else, I'm going to love them. I'm going to greet them. I'm going to give them a hug. But my time is invested into good soil. I want to, um, I want to just pause just real quick. And we have, uh, we have a couple of, we have Pastor Rob. We also have John Tahaji um, that, that's out there. If you have questions or if you have something, um, a question, okay, not something to add, a question. Uh, uh, if you would just lift your hand, they'll, they'll come over and see you. And then Pastor Max uh, will, will, uh, will, will take you and we could ask that question. But I want to I wanna start opening that, that up while, while the men continue to talk here. Uh, but again, if you have a question, ra- raise your hand and, and the, guys, the guys will grab you, all right? Thank you for that. Pastor Angel, more is caught than taught. Talk to me about uh, maybe a time in ministry where you're frustrated under leadership. So maybe when you're still in Paramount under leadership, that you're frustrated with trying to understand how do I, how do I get to where I'm supposed to go? I was never frustrated (laughs) in ministry. (laughs) Such a liar right now. 
You know, for me, uh, you know, it was a, a unique time when we were there in the Paramount Church. Um, there were several um, assistant pastors in place um, while we were there serving. And so there's times where you feel like that middle management level is a very tough place to be because, you know, we talk about Morris Cotton Tot. Well, that comes with proximity. Oh, say that. It, it, That's good. It comes with proximity. And so sometimes you feel like, well, I can't get to the, to the top. I can't get to the man because there's other people in between. Um, and so those seasons, you can grow frustrated, but you really recognize that middle management is so critical to a move of God. Because there's people that are looking at you and looking at your character, looking at you, you, right, your exampleship. And so when you recognize that, okay, um, I'm not going to just try to lobby for the top for attention or for myself, that I'm really going to recognize that I'm in kind of the position I'm in because there's people that are watching me. When we were there, uh, you know, just we were just youth running the youth ministry. There's no title. We were just leading a wild group of kids that are now pastors today. Right. And so there was there was times of frustration where like, man, I can't get to even Pastor Omar. We've had these discussions because there was other people kind of above me. But it's when you stop realizing and recognizing it's not about titles, it's about influence. You'll begin to flourish and, and you begin to recognize your influence um, and the fruit begins to grow from just being faithful with where you're at, not worrying about position and, and a title, but care more about your influence and the people that you're leading. And years down the line, you'll look back and be like, thank God I didn't complain and leave or, or respond out of emotion, but I just stuck it out. I stayed humble, stayed faithful, pursued the vision of the house, and God took care of the rest, man. Pastor Max, do we have a question out there? Yeah, I have Eddie here. He has a question for the panel. Uh, this goes out to any pastor. Uh, what's a lesson that you have learned as a pastor and you continue to relearn that lesson as you gain more experience in your walk with God? So, so what's, what's a lesson that you learned in your experience is that, is that right, Max? Yeah, what's a lesson you learned as a pastor and you continue to relearn that lesson again as you gain more experience? That's a good question. I think uh, one, of, one of the lessons that I've learned and still continue to learn is, is not to take things personally. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, in ministry, any, in any level of ministry, leadership, volunteer, pastor, don't matter, things are going to happen. Uh, people are going to walk, uh, people are going to talk. I mean, a list goes on, right? Um, you can't take it personally. Uh, a lot of times, and I think it's this comment that's said is that, uh, you know, when, when someone talks about you, they're saying more about themselves than they are saying about you, right? right. Oh, and and uh, who, uh, saying more about who they are than, than who you are. And, and I think that's something that, as pastors, we, have, we continue to learn that. Like, when things happen, people leave our church or something's said or something's misinterpreted of something we said or anything like that, um, we can take it personal and we feel like, uh, you know, this is an attack against me. And a lot of times it's just where they are in their lives. You know, I, I, I did a sermon and I talked about how Jesus, you know, Jesus was sinless, right? Never sinned. Yet he offended so many people. And you think about it, did, did he really offend them or did they just take offense? And I think they just took offense you know, he, he brought the truth and they were offended. And so as, as pastors, I think in, in the process of growing as a pastor and, and leading, things are going to happen. Things are going to change. Uh, you know, churches, you know, during the pandemic now coming back, it's almost like a new congregation. New people come in and, and others leave and all of that. But we can't take it personal. And you just got to know you have to do what God's called you to do regardless of the outcome. Right? It's about obedience. It's about doing what God said to do. The results are always up to him. And so just learning that when things happen, not to take it so personal. Because when it's all said and done, it's not my church. It's God's church. I'm just, I'm just the under-shepherd for the season that God has placed me in. That's so. good. That's good. Pastor Omar? Um, what I've learned is you can't please everybody. And you're trying to please God. Even God can't please everybody. 
And some of you are, you know, you're rooting for the Raiders, and then others are rooting against. God can't please you, right? I mean, think about it, though. But I'm be, I'm, I know I'm being funny, but one, one, one set of people is praying for one team, another set of people is praying for another one. God can't please everybody. Even God can't do it. Uh, but what I've learned is that my mission is to please God. And it's none of my business what people think and say about me. That's good. Yep. All right? Because I'm trying to just please God. Yeah. And people are going to talk. Let them talk. Come on. And I'm just, I'm just trying to please God. And I have to remember, I'm pleasing one for the audience of one. Awesome. That's good. Yeah, Max. All right, we please. got Sam here. Yeah, uh, on the topic of leadership, uh, what books would you recommend People that want to get into that position, what books help you guys in, during your, your like, time being a leader? In addition to the Bible, what books helped you grow as a leader? I, 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 have, I have a suggestion. Our senior leader for the Reach Network has written a book, The Disciples Call. If you've not read that already, read that and buy two for two, two people that you're discipling. But again, if you've not read that book, literally... It's a compilation of life lessons in a very small, compact book. That's the first book I would tell you to read. Gentlemen? Well, I've got a few books. Uh, Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. Uh, that's a classic book. I think every... I, I read that book when I was 16 years old. It tr completely transformed my life. Um, there's another one. And it's a classic. Again, uh, Disciples Are Made, Not Born. Um, and then the, the other book, I just, God, I just lost it. Uh, the armor bearer book, God's armor bearer. And there, there's another one. I'll think about it when I get back. I'll, I'll tell you disciple. Uh, if, if you would read, if you'd read John Bevere's undercover, John Bevere's undercover book. How many of you have read that book? Raise your hand. Hi, 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 hi. Okay. Buy that book right now. Amazon. Okay. Undercover. It'll teach you how to be under leadership and flourish under leadership. Healthy leadership, what do we say? Healthy leadership is not a lid, it's a covering. And uh, uh, d d we understand, we know the pastors that are part of this network, that's healthy leadership. And uh, I, I would strongly encourage that book as a disciple in the church. You concur. Yeah, I oh. mean, <laughs> also, um, probably... I mean, John Maxwell is phenomenal. There are a lot of guys that are out there, but I, I honestly just really believe that the greatest leader that ever lived was Jesus. And I think that if you can just learn to lead like Jesus did and you're able to implement it, and it sounds so simple and practical, but there's so much leadership that Jesus taught. Paul taught a lot on leadership. Um, just there's so much wealth of knowledge in leadership, in scripture. And I think sometimes what ends up happening, and I'm not saying that the gentleman that asked the question is doing this, but I think sometimes we, we tend to um, be threatened a little bit by trying to process what the scripture is saying and pulling leadership exampleship out of that. And so we'll look for other leaders who have drawn out of the example of the Bible who've put it down in practical ways when Jesus made it all available practically to you. And a lot of times what a lot of guys will do, and they don't understand this, is that, that they'll read a book that maybe Furtick wrote or somebody else wrote. And really, a lot of those books have a lot of practical, good leadership, discipleship in that. But a lot of it is, is um, processed and developed for the culture of that house in another state, with another vision and another movement. And that's why I like what you said about Pastor Omar's book, because that is a homegrown, in-depth process of discipleship that we've all been, you know, imparted into in a very practical way, which he drew from, you know, the word of God. So I, you know, again, Pastor Omar's book, if, if you want to really glean from where we're going as a movement, that's the book that you want to read. And of course, you know, the, the New Testament, you know, model of Jesus. I, I would also, uh, I would also mention, uh, Pastor Kelly Lorkey from the Cure Church, uh, also wrote a book, Punker to Pastor, 
uh, very, very powerful principles that you could pull. I was talking, uh, I know Pastor Kelly's here. I, I don't know exactly where he's at, but I was talking to one of the guys in the back, and I, I believe that it's Pastor Rudy uh, from San Antonio, uh, Reclaim San Antonio, has his, has his guys reading that book as well. That's another uh, powerful book that I would recommend that you read. Again, to Pastor Eddie's point, um, if you're looking for the culture of, of, of the house or the movement, uh, that, that, that would be a great book as well. Max, you have someone else there? Yeah, we have Dennis here. So my question is, how can I better serve my pastor, if I, especially if I'm more connected with my connect group leader? So how can you better, how can you better serve your pastor? He has a strong relationship with this connect, connect group, group leader, leader than he has with his pastor, but how can he better serve his pastor? The best way that you could serve your pastor is by serving greatly under your connect group leader. Because what a lot of people don't understand in, in, in leadership is that your pastor has the capacity to minister effectively to a group of people, right? Now he can minister to the whole spectrum of the church on Sunday mornings, but his time as Mikey so well put together is, is invested in people that he can disciple and train into and those people are an extension of the pastor. So the pastor, pastors, the leaders, the leaders pastor and govern the church. And it's done that way so that they can have effective leadership over them. I, I, I've told this to so many brand new people that go to our church. I said, listen, I, I love spending time with you in our DNA growth track model uh, or class because this is my opportunity to connect with you. But in reality, the person that's going to be there for you, the person that's going to pray for you, the person that's going to counsel you, the person that's going to disciple you is going to be your life group leader. It's going to be your connect leader. It's going to be the person that's mostly available to you at this season of your life. And then as you grow and you mature in ministry and you become in leadership, you, you, you step into leadership. Now you're stepping into a different realm of leadership. And that's where the proximity gets closer to Pastor Omar. Or any other pastor in, in, in the network. And I think, and I think we, have to, we have to understand that model. Because if not, we'll try to bypass our leader to get in proximity of, of, of the pastor of the house. When in reality, he's pastoring you through your connect group leader or your team leader. Yeah. And we have to learn how to honor that system and that structure so that we are more effective. Listen, I would love to have all the time. And I'm sure Pastor Omar would love to have all the time for everyone all day, every day, as much as possible. But the reality is he's a human being that has a family, has children, has grandchildren, has a network that he has to lead. And so this is the dynamic part of the leaders that we have in church. They are essential um, to the body of Christ. And so I would say to you, serve under your leader, be discipled under your leader, become a leader, and then the proximity changes. That's well said. It looks like uh, looks like we have three more. We're gonna we're gonna get through these three. I'll, I'd ask you guys to answer succinctly, so you know as concisely as you can to get through. And then we want to pray for some people this morning. Amen. Uh, we want to pray maybe uh, m maybe something that was said. Uh, maybe you caught it this morning, uh, or something that you said maybe maybe convicted you, or maybe you're 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 reflecting on how your service is in your church with your leaders and your, uh, and your pastor. Uh, we we want to pray this morning as well. So we want to make some time for that as well. So Pastor Max, please. I have Amber here. Hi. So um, when we know that the Lord's moving us towards something new, but we also know the challenges of transition, how do we make room for that new while still maintaining the integrity of what's been built? That's a great wow. question. <laughs> Pastor wow. So Pastor Kelly, Pastor Kelly preached on on that, and he did a phenomenal job. But I'm sure I'm sure the gentlemen have something to say there. Whenever we have someone with an innovative ideal, or they believe something needs to be happening, or a new ministry needs to be created, we just want to make sure that it lines up with our vision and with our core values. And many times, it's not that the ideal is not good; it may not be the timing. So uh, I've had people come up and say, we need to do this, and I agree with them, but this is the time that we're in in the church. It's not the time, but if people would wait and be patient, 
that, that may happen. Other times they say, I've been thinking about that. I've had people come up to me and say, this is something I like to do. And said, we've been praying about that. Tell me a little bit more. Tell me what the plan is. And, and usually we implement it. Uh, because I know that uh, we, we can't keep doing the same old things. And God is continually moving in waves and new things are happening. And so when that begins to happen, we get people that are very creative and want things to, uh, to start moving. And sometimes we can move on things quickly. Other times we need to just kind of wait. But we do believe in new ideals and innovative ideals. And so we want to constantly upgrade what God is doing. That's very good. I have Christy here. Hi, Christy. Um, hi guys. Um, I want to know what does your wife do in the background that really supports your role as a pastor and kind of makes it a little bit easier to, you know, uh, lead? Go ahead, Andrew. I'll be, I'll be short because Pastor Omar's probably got a better answer than, than mine. Um, so my wife, she does not she's not a, 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 a support she's not supporting me just as the lead pastor we co-pastor together and at, but at the same time that's not may not be for every every wife um, but I know that there's communication between us and so a lot of the things that maybe the church doesn't see I, I'm going to her uh, they, they say that she's the neck that moves the head <laughs> come on and so, um, so a lot of the times, um, a lot of things that we, the decisions we make in the church or the direction, a lot of times as a pastor, my first person of contact is, is my wife. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, she's leading alongside me, not just as a support role, but we're doing this together. Um, but I'd love to hear what Pastor Omar has to say. Can I real quick, just cause, um, uh, so we are obviously in a different, um, stage of life. We have four young kids. My oldest is just getting into first grade. And so my wife to me is, like Pastor Angel said, that it's not that she's a support to the church necessarily. We pastor together. But what she does is she, she honors our calling together. And I think sometimes what, what could happen is we, could, we can celebrate and honor only what's on the platform. And I think that's unhealthy in a church and it's unhealthy in a marriage. My wife is just as influential as I am in our church. The only difference is she's understanding that the stage we're at in life is that she's taking care of the kids most of the time. And that, I mean, when I'm with my kids by myself, I'm praying that she comes home soon. Um, I was on the phone when, yesterday when you had your kids, and it sounded, it didn't sound. Yeah, I had my kids. Uh, I had my boy, I only had two of them. But, I was gonna but, offer my but, help, but I, I do want to say I do want to say that that to to the to, to the what man come on <laughs> I see the timer here but to the to the young families that are that are busy in ministry that are that have young kids to me and my wife that my kids are more important to me than my church and that is they are the most important thing to us and that is our greatest ministry and I think we diminish those things because it's not on the platform. And so there's so much value in honoring each other and honoring the season you're in, whether people see it or not. And so I just want to honor my wife, wherever she's at. I know she's here somewhere. You know, one thing, one thing that I just want to add uh, to the disciples in the house that are serving in the church, um, we say this oftentimes, reach, restore, release. And I want to honor, I want to honor all, of the, all of the wives that release their husbands to go and serve. Uh, I think about, I think about uh, uh, our pastor, Pastor Letty. Radical release is what we say. Radical release to release our senior leader to do what he needs to do. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, understanding that she's, she's going to sacrifice some time with him so that he could go and fulfill the call of God. I think about my wife as well. And again, each and every one of you, if you're taking care of home, and you're taking care of your wife, and you're taking care of your domestic responsibilities, you will be released to be able to go and serve well. Yeah, my wife is the voice behind the voice. <laughs> I used to think it was the Holy Spirit, but it's... 
She's the she's the helper. Most most of my best sermons came from my wife. I often be preaching and say, "Yeah, I don't know where this came from." My wife said, "I just told you that ten minutes ago. I told you the whole sermon." There's times that my wife won't want to share insight with me because I'll preach it on Sunday. But uh, I love my wife, and uh, and she's the best wife and best mom and grandmother I've ever known. And to me, I'm I'm a success not because of ministry, obviously because of salvation. But I'm I'm married with the same wife for 37 years and trying to do that. That's awesome. Uh, last question here we have Jose. Um, how did you get through seasons where you might have felt you weren't really called to what you were doing? So in a season that you may have experienced doubt in your calling, how did you navigate that? I'll, uh, the last probably 14, 16 months for me, probably been the hardest for me as a pastor where I've questioned everything that's taking place or everything that God has called me to. To the point where I'm at a, at a point in my life where I'm thinking, look, at, I'm, I'm not old, but I'm not young either. I can, I can walk away from all of this. I have a great family. I'm saved. I'm serving God. Why do I have to do this? And there was a message that was birthed out of that. And I just preached it at Paramount. I preached it at our church. And it's the grace of God. Come on. How do I get through it? It's his grace. When I see a person respond to the altar. And they're drug addicted. Their marriage is broken. And I see God's grace. I don't elevate myself above them. I need his grace as much today as I needed it my yesterday. <laughs> and so when I want to walk away, when I'm struggling, what I'm battling, what brings me right back is his tremendous grace upon my life. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.